But I want to say today that isn't the great things in life worth fighting for? Aren't like the really great rewards that you have in your life, didn't you have to go through some sort of turmoil or struggle to see those things happen? Well, I know, I believe that the greatest reward on earth that could ever happen is that God would be manifest right here in the middle of it. That everyone would come and bow before him. That everyone would exalt his name. That's the greatest reward. There's nothing greater. And so it's no shock to me, it's no surprise to me that sometimes it feels really difficult for us to have that happen. But I want to encourage us this morning that you have a part to play in God being manifest here in the earth. You can't discount yourself today. You can't disqualify yourself. What God wants to release through each one of us individually in this house is so important for building and establishing the path of God, the manifestation of his presence, of his love right here in this world. And so this morning, I want you to, as we keep singing, we're going we're gonna to give everyone an opportunity to establish that very pathway in your own life. I find it's the greatest way. If I can establish that pathway in my life, I'm much more likely to share that and to use that to help other people establish that thing. And so I want to encourage you right now. Allow your hearts to burst forth with the love of God. Allow your mouths to sing his praises. How good he is, how wonderful he is. From the oldest to the youngest and the youngest to the oldest, you have a role to play. And you're allowed to use that here this morning. Let's continue to worship, refocusing on the one that matters, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? I really feel an opening to get us <laughs> collectively to give God what he wants. My favorite scripture in all the Bible is Revelation chapter 4. It's my favorite by far. Even when I think about it right now, like, I get emotional about it because to me that's, this is what God is looking for on the earth. It's John going into heaven and he says in verse 1, he says, After these things I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. That to me says that Jesus left the door open when he went there. That the sacrifice that he made allowed us to enter into a place that would have killed us any time before that. It's left open for everyone that wants to go there. And a voice came, which I heard, which is like a trumpet saying with me, saying, come up here and I will show you things that must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold... A throne set in heaven, and one 
sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white. They had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne they proceeded, proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes, front and in back. Those creatures really speak to me too because they're covered in eyes because no matter what way they're facing, they can still see God that sits on the throne. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within and they did not rest day or night saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. To me, this is the greatest call that we have as people, as humans on the earth, that we could partake in that very thing that's happening in heaven right now. Imagine that. Think about it. Use what God has given us and imagine right now in heaven all of that is going on. The elders are bowing before, before the one on the throne. The four living creatures are constantly looking, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And us here on the earth, and I know this is, it doesn't make sense to our human mind, but to our spirit it can that we can join in with what's going on in heaven right now. Let's just sing holy just for a few more minutes before we move on. Just, I really want as many people as possible to have a revelation of that really intimate place where God sits on his throne. So wherever you are, just... Use your voice and whisper. Sing it loudly. Sing it. I just, just say it. Holy. We join with those creatures singing in heaven. We join with the elders as they bow down before you. We gaze upon the beauty that is your presence. We say that there is none like you in all the earth. Nothing is more beautiful. Nothing is more fascinating. Your presence is life. And we honor you today. Lord, we say that we are your people. We are your children. You are the great Father that sits on the throne and we worship you in spirit and in truth. One day we'll be united with you once again and with the bridegroom and we shall sit down and enjoy the great feast 
But until that day, we say here on the earth that we will declare who you are. We will declare your holiness. We will sing your praise and we will exalt you day and night. We will join with heaven because we acknowledge your plan to have your kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven. And we want to do what it takes, make the sacrifice that it takes to see that plan that perfect, perfect plan that you've established before the foundation of the world. We want to do what it takes to see that happen here on the earth. And if nothing else we know how to say, if nothing else I know how to do, I know that I can stand and I can say to you that you are holy and nothing can change that we exalt you Lord we exalt you we are unashamed of you we are unashamed in our devotion to you we release healing in Jesus name let your power flow, oh God. Let your healing wave wash over us. Restore and redeem all the things that have been broken. All the relationships that have been severed. All the sickness and disease. Be healed in Jesus' name. We say this morning, Lord, that you are absolutely holy. We say that you are beyond questioning. We say that you are beyond being challenged. We say that you sit in a high and lofty place. That no one in heaven or earth can challenge you or stand in your wind or stand in your light. And so this morning, Lord, we say you are very God. You are very holy God. And we bow our knees and we become that voluntary people that say we would honor you, that say we would call you our sovereign, that say we would call you God of all gods. Absolutely, Lord, we say that you... You possess and own every cell in our bodies, everything around about us. You possess our thoughts. You possess our emotions. Everything that I have belongs to you, Lord. And so this morning we call you a holy God. And we say, come and take your place in us, Lord, as that mighty, sovereign, holy God. We absolutely this morning bow before you. One of the very, very large tasks that I feel that the Lord has placed in my heart is to bring people into this place. And I, I, know, I can't make that decision for you. 
I just can't. I wish I could just push buttons and it would all come together, but God, for some reason, made us very individual. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder, like, it would be much easier if we just kind of did what we were supposed to do all the time. (laughs) But it isn't that way. (laughs) Yet still, there's opportunity There's an opportunity to see this place. And as difficult as it seems at times, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to go there. God has placed people in our lives to show us by example or by teaching or by inspiration. I don't know. But to show us that it's possible to go there. I'm not the only one that feels this way. I know that many of you in this room want God's presence manifest in the earth. I know you do. And so I guess the hard task is now in this day where we live in our culture is how do we actually release that? How do we release that individually, yes, but how do we come to a place like this and release that also corporately, in unity. It's a big task. It's, it's not easy because of what I said at the beginning. We're individuals. We like certain things. We don't like other things. And that to me is why sometimes we, and I think, if I'm going to speak prophetically at all, in this next season, we're going to have to boil things down to the brass tacks Who is God? Is he the one that sits on the throne? And if he is, then what is my response to that and his sovereign nature? And that in and of itself can be incredibly difficult to understand, but it's also one of the most simplest things where we humble ourselves. I must decrease so he can increase. And that's where we are. Week after week, I encourage you, those that come here frequently, I, I pray for all of us that we would start taking these steps throughout the week and not reserve this time just to hopefully make it through, but to actually go forward in this time to explore how great God is in this time. Yes, there will be times of healing. Yes, there will be times of redemption. And believe me, when God touches you, you feel alive. They just don't have another choice. Things of you will die. Don't get me wrong. The flesh part can't live very long. But the part that's eternal, the spirit of God and the spirit in you, now that is life. And so I pray this week, Lord, that the strides that have been made right now, today, would not just be a backwards pedal, but would be something that we could establish and build on the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen.
Okay, so I want to start off today a little bit differently. So in a second, you're going to look at the person beside you, and you're going to ask them a question. And if you don't have someone beside you, maybe try to find someone close. Um, you're going to ask them a question, they're going to give you an answer, and then they're going to ask you the same question, and you're going to give an answer. So as we do this, there's, there's a danger spot that I really want to avoid. Um, so I'm going to ask, uh, Curtis, can you come help me for a second? Okay. So here's what's going to happen. Ready? So Curtis, I'm gonna, there's going to be a blank spot that I'll fill in later. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at blank? 7. Perfect. Thank you for sharing. And then Curtis is going to ask me the same thing. <laughs> Paul, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at blank? 6. Um, so, so here's the danger spot. When he, when, when he asks me the question, especially if I'm looking at a family member, and he gives me the answer, I'm going to want to like jab him in the ribs, call him a liar, and say, you're not a seven, you're like a three. Okay? So that's going to be like, if it's going to be, some of you are going to want to do that. I'm just going to be honest. Um, and so my job as a listener is to smile and nod, right? This is not a time for feedback. I'm not going to, like, slap you and call you a liar. Like, as a listener, I'm just going to... Okay? So on a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at blank? Okay, see, I smiled and nod, okay? No feedback. Thanks, you can sit down. So... Everybody turn to the person and just, we're going to practice this. Just smile and nod at them. So here's the question that you're going to ask the person beside you. On a scale of 1 to 10, and then they're going to ask you, how good are you at conflict? Go. Now, some of you, when you heard your person, you're the your partner's response, you wanted to slap them, right? They probably were like, I'm a 10. This is going to, I'm just the man at this. And some of you are like biting your tongues to not give feedback to their response, right? I know, I know, I know. Just so we're on the same page. Conflict is a disagreement, it's an argument, it's a misunderstanding. And as humans, we can experience conflict either internally or we can experience it externally with people, because people are messy. Uh, normally when I'm speaking, God will kind of put something on my heart and, uh, in advance, and then over the, like, however long coming up to when I speak, I'll work through, I'll pray through, I'll process. And last time I spoke, God put something on my heart, and I was like, oh, I need to talk about this. In May, at the beginning of May, we had a conference with uh, a man named Mark DuPont here, uh, and came to speak over the weekends, or over the weekend. A few weeks before the conference, God spoke to me and told me that the word he gave me I was supposed to wait on, and I was supposed to talk about conflict. And I will be completely honest with you. Most of what I talk about this morning will, for the most part, be common sense. I'm not going to blow your mind with, like, some deep revelation from God, you're not going to leave church this morning going, oh, man, Paul is so wise. 
But I believe that it is incredibly important to every once in a while come back to basics. To make sure the foundations of our lives are solid. Because as humans, we're wired to always want the next big thing. We want to spend 40 days and 40 nights fasting to be like Jesus. But sometimes God's like, hey, you know what? Give a sandwich to a homeless person. Sometimes we want to be like, hey, I want to speak in front of thousands of people or, or whatever. But right now, Jesus wants us to look at the basics and say, hey, you know what? Maybe look over your fence and talk to your neighbor. And as disciples of Jesus, coming back to basics is key. And conflict and how we handle it is something that every single one of us needs to examine consistently and always look at it in our own lives. Here's why I believe this is so important. Every single one of us has a family member or has a friend, and in the past there was a conflict, there was a misunderstanding that was not handled well. And now you maybe even don't even see them anymore. Or when you are around them, there's like this tension inside of you. And it's like, what do I do with this? How do I handle this? And you don't know what to do. Or even in our own church. There are some people that should be in our church that aren't here anymore because at some point a conflict or a misunderstanding was not handled well. And yes, the people had a part to play, and yes, those people hurt us, and, and there are a lot of factors, and Paul, you don't know what they said, or Paul, you don't know what they did, but at the end of the day, each of us as individuals and as disciples of Jesus are called to love others. We are responsible in any conflict that we are a part of, regardless of what the other person chooses to do or say, to ask ourselves, how can I handle this conflict well? How can I demonstrate the love of Jesus in this situation by making the relationship more important than the pride of being right? Because handling a conflict in any relationship has the power to make the relationship better. Over the years, I've had tons of conflicts with my mom. A lot of them. Some of them we handled all right, and some of them we handled terribly. She'll probably tell you later. But every time that we were willing to lean into the conflict and have the conversation that we needed to and work through what we needed to, it made our relationship stronger and it made it closer. Usually whenever you put more than one person in a room, there's potential for conflict. And I personally see the season that we believe we're entering into as a church as a potential for conflict. A few weeks ago, Pastor Mark got up here and, and uh, shared of where he feels like the vision of the church and the season of the church that we're entering corporately. Uh, and, and seriously, if you haven't listened to it, like, go back and listen to it. It was good. Like, it was awesome. Um, he illustrated what seems to be happening corporately by having Jeremy get up here um, and run across the stage from there to there while we all stared at him and timed him. As a church, we've been running for a really, really long time, pushing and reaching, stretching and growing to discover the bigger and the deeper things of God, and it has been an amazing season. But then Pastor Mark had Jeremy take his one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Jordy, by the hand and walk her back and forth across the stage as we timed them. 
We believe that we're entering a season where it's time for those of us that may be further ahead spiritually or in age to go back, grab the younger by the hand, and walk with them on the journey as they discover, as they learn. Jeremy could get up here and run back and forth really, really, really fast. But in reality, what happens when, when he's too old to run? Or what happens if he dies? Who's going to take over for him? But when he went back to take someone with him, when the point comes where Jeremy can't run, there's someone there to take the baton and run further than he could possibly have dreamed was possible. And in that scenario, there's opportunity for tons of conflict. When Jeremy has to stop running and go back for Jordy and take her by the hand, inside he's probably uh, having a lot of conflict on the inside. He might feel like he's losing out on so much because he has to take the time to go back. Or maybe there's going to be conflict between him and Jordy as, as he's frustrated because her legs are short and she can't go as fast. Or she's frustrated because he's not being patient with her. And how we as a church body and as a family handle conflicts as they come up will ultimately depend how far and determine how far we go. There's an African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And for me, I'd love to go far. So this morning, I just want to touch on a few principles of conflict that I believe are crucial to us handling conflict well. If you look in your bulletin, there's a piece of paper. It says bad at the top. It's actually an acronym. acronym. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know what that means. And I'll explain that in a second. And then some principles about conflict with some verses uh, in it. This is a cheat sheet for you to take home and put on your fridge. So the next time you're fighting with your spouse, you can pause and look at it. So first, let's talk about conflict styles. I believe there's every single human handles conflict in generally one of three ways. Most of us typically will adopt the style that we watch our parents doing because we grow up, we think that's normal, and then we just repeat it. And each of us may move around in these styles depending on who we're fighting with, but usually it's one of these three ways. First on, on BAD is the basher. These are the types of people that enjoy a really good conflict. They'll wade into the thick of a fight swinging and the awesome thing about these, these people is they're not afraid of conflict and will talk about things that need to be talked about, which is crucial. However, one of the dangers of this style, of the basher style of conflict, is they can potentially just bash their way through an argument, not really caring about what other people think or the heart of the other person, and they'll sometimes leave broken people behind them in their wake. Secondly, for the A, we have avoiders. This was like mine for a long time. These people will avoid the, a conflict at all costs and try to keep the peace. This is great when, uh, because when, to avoid a conflict, whenever a problem arises, they'll try to find a solution quickly. But this is also dangerous because if something comes up and no solution is found, they'll typically internalize problems stuff them down, and then one day everything explodes while everyone's looking at them going, what the heck just happened? 
And then finally, the D, we have diplomats. This is the goal that I think every single one of us should be working towards. These are the people that when a conflict comes up, they can approach it with wisdom. They're able to step back from what is happening, look at both sides, figure out what the issue is, not the person, but what's the issue, put themselves in the other person's shoes, try to figure out what they need in the conflict, what the other person needs in the conflicts, and come up with a win-win or a compromise. If you Google conflict, there's like 43 billion things to know about that. Three steps to handling conflict, 40 things you need to know about conflict. If you really need to give feedback to your spouse or sibling or family member on the way home, please wait until you leave the church building (laughs) where we are no longer responsible for your safety. So from being involved in different conflicts and watching other people and, and reading a ton and learning a lot, I've seen conflict handled well and I've seen it handled terribly. I've seen it strengthen relationships and I've seen it destroy relationships. And here are a few things that I believe as Christians we need to pay attention to. First, what's God doing in you through this? James 4, 1 to 3. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. 100% of the conflicts you are in are that you and I are in, are about you. I'm going to say that again, because that was super good. A hundred percent of the conflicts you are ever in are about you. And a hundred percent of the time, God is trying to do something in you. Yes, he said this, and yes, she did that. It's really easy to blame others and to point out the other person's faults when we're involved in a conflict. But what if we take a step back We look at the big picture and see that God is using this opportunity to grow you or prepare you for something he has planned for you down the road in your destiny. Maybe God's revealing to you that you desperately need more patience. Maybe he's training you to handle something or to handle conflict in a more healthy way because when we're faithful with the little things, then he can entrust us with bigger things. I'll be vulnerable right now and say that January of this year to about a couple weeks before Mark DuPont was here at the beginning of May have been the hardest times, like hardest months of my life in this, in this since I've been at the church. In January, I got a word from God specifically about, um, about our students and how it was time to move to the next level and how we were operating and how we were being effective. I don't know, I didn't know exactly what that meant, but for the last few months, the leaders and I have been experimenting, we've been trying new things, we've been making, well, I've been making tons of mistakes, I've been failing, I've also been seeing a lot of success in other areas, I've been seeing some really cool things happen in our students, and what God has coming. But that entire time was really hard and stressful for me. 
There's a lot of internal conflict feeling like I wasn't doing the best I could or I wasn't being as effective as I could for the leaders and just wrestling with all the spiritual and all the mental stuff that comes along with that. And then externally, it felt like there was a bunch of key relationships in my life that it felt like every time I was around them, there was some kind of tension. It felt like there was something going on and I didn't know how to handle it or what to deal, how to deal with it. And during that time, those five months, I had to stay close to God. I had to continually ask him and myself, how do I handle this well? A few weeks before the conference with Mark DuPont, God showed me that this season of conflict was training and it was preparation for what he has for me in the future. When I was able to take a step back and understand the purpose in it and what he was doing, it was a massive relief. I still don't know exactly what he has for me, but after that revelation, I felt the season start to end, and I now have like this massive anticipation and this massive excitement for September. The process is easier when we realize that in every conflict we ever have, God is pinpointing something that we need to pay attention to in ourselves. Next one, deal with it quietly. Matthew 18, 15. I'm going to spend the most amount of time here. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. I'm incredibly passionate about this. Over the years, I've seen relationships destroyed, marriages hurt and destroyed, people leave churches all because someone said something and to everybody else instead of going to the person that was involved. This destroys trust. And once you lose trust with someone, there's now a massive wall between you, and it takes a lot of hard work to restore trust and take down that wall. I'm sure every single one of us has had someone in our life talk about us behind our back or say something to someone that we told them in private, and the feelings that come along with that betrayal is indescribable. But then how often do we do that and turn around and say something to someone that said something to us in private? Sometimes we even justify it with Christianese. Did you hear about so-and-so and what they're going through? We need to pray for them. That's just gossip in disguise. We need to pray for them and we also need to support them. And as Christians, we're called to love others above anything else. And sometimes the most loving thing we can say to someone who is complaining to us about someone else is to tell them to shut up. And followed up with, go talk to the person you're complaining about. Or if we have a problem with someone and someone else talks about it, Sorry, if we have a problem with someone and someone else asks us about it, it's perfectly acceptable to say, I'm not going to talk to you because I haven't talked to the other person, and leave it at that. On the flip side of this, when we go through conflict, we might need someone to talk to who is wise. Sometimes we need to like verbally process what's going through and, and get prayer or whatever. And we also need people to give us a kick in the butt if we're being stupid. Mentors and wise people in our lives are crucial, but there should be very few of them, and the people that we talk, choose to talk to should be 100% trustworthy. 
Whenever I have something going on, on in my life that I need to process or work through, I have about three to five people that I'll go to, depending on, on the situation and what's happening. And every single one of them I trust 100%. And every single one of them uh, uh, has proved to me over the years that they're trustworthy. We should use wisdom and not talk to everybody. Deal with it quickly. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. You know when though you have those times when you're talking to someone and they say something stupid or, uh, um, or kind of silly and then like 24 hours you're like, oh man, I should have said this to them. You come up with that perfect burn. Happens to me all the time. All of our brains work like that. When something happens, our brains continue to process and to work on what happened. And when we have a disagreement with someone and don't deal with it right away, it sticks in our brain and we continue to think about it. We continue to process it. And then we become really, really good at justifying. We come up with all the reasons why we were right and... Uh, why what they said was wrong, and pretty soon we've built a pretty solid case against them. And then it becomes cancer. It sits in our brains, eating away at our thoughts toward that person, and it's incredibly dangerous. Don't wait to deal with things. Could you imagine how many fights could be avoided if in the middle of a conversation with someone where someone said something you didn't understand, you stop and say, I think I misunderstood you. What I hear you saying, could you please explain it? Taking a cool-down period is okay. But make sure to schedule a time when you can go both come back, look at the issue, and work rationally to focus on the issue and come to a resolve. Be present. <laughs> if I got up here this morning, pulled out my cell phone, and just sat scrolling through Facebook, how many of you would be like, man, church was awesome this morning? <laughs> but we do that every single day. I'm guilty of it. When we are with other people, instead of being present, engaged, and focused, and making them feel valuable, by giving them our full attention, we pull out our cell phone and check that text or look at who liked our latest Instagram post. And we wouldn't actually say this out loud, but when you reach for your phone when you're with someone, subconsciously you're telling them that that piece of plastic is more important than them in that moment. That the person that potentially sent you an email uh, is more important. There are so many ways that we can be in a conversation but not actually be in a conversation. Ladies, here's a tip. If the TV's on, he's not listening. <laughs> Men are not wired to multitask, and I've never met a man that could multitask well. They may claim they can, but they're just lying. And if they are actually really good at it, they're an exception, and they should be put in a circus. <laughs> if someone has come to you and had the courage to come talk to you about something, or you've had the courage to go talk to somebody, do everything in your power to be completely present with them in the moment to work through that issue. Listen twice, talk once. Proverbs 18.2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. 
the easiest way to make other people feel valuable? Just listen. When you take time to listen to what other people have to say and to actually hear their heart, where they're coming from, and how they are feeling, it will literally change your relationship with them. We live in a loud culture. We're always bombarded with noise, music, advertisements. So when we actually have a chance to talk, we try to make the most of it. A lot of us, when we're having a conversation with people, will actually be listening to talk. What that means is when the other person's talking, we're in our head, not really there because we're thinking about what we want to say next. Really understanding and connection happens when we listen. No exception. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Make other people feel valuable by knowing, by listening twice as much as you talk. Next one, get help. Matthew 18, 15 to 16. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful... Take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. We really live in a culture that celebrates the lone wolf. The people that can do it all themselves. As a man, I see it a lot. Don't show your feelings. Man up. Be strong. Don't cry. It's a load of garbage. We need people to help us. Whether that is helping us talk to someone in a healthy way, Those people are crucial. Do not be afraid to get help. Let it go. Everybody sing together. (laughs) I put this in here because next time you're in a conflict, I want you to be thinking of that song and start singing it. Really breaks the tension. (laughs) Makes the conversation a lot easier. That, That was a joke. Colossians 3.13, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Hmm. A couple weeks ago, I got released to start sharing my testimony more. I shared it with a bunch of the youth leaders on Friday night. It was awesome. And I feel like at some point in the future, I'm going to be up here talking about forgiveness. But until that time, here's my belief about forgiveness and how I try to live out it out in my life. Jesus died for me on a brutal cross, no conditions. So what right do I have to hold on forgiveness against anyone else? This is incredibly hard for all of us. But holding on to unforgiveness will hurt you. It creates bitterness, it creates anger, it creates, it creates resentment, and a whole host of other problems. And that is hard to carry around. Learning to give unforgiveness to God and letting him carry the burden because he wants to, and letting him be the judge for those who have hurt us so we don't have to worry about it, will change your life. This can be a long process, And sometimes we have to wake up every single day and say, God, I forgive the person who hurt me. Sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes it takes years. But as we do and as we trust God, it will change your life and it will change who you become. Draw close to God. Here's the reality and the most important part of everything I've just said. We need God. 
people are messy. People are going to fail us. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to hurt other people. And other people are going to hurt us. It's a part of being human. But in all of that, we have the advantage of having a Holy Spirit who will give us strength to walk through what we cannot. The strength to walk through when we handle conflict well. The strength to walk through when we handle it badly and have to swallow our pride and go back and apologize and repent for all of our mistakes. And as we draw closer to him, the fruit of our lives will be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that will be the fruit of our lives. I don't know about all of you, but I believe that fruit makes conflict a whole lot easier. So here's a question I want to leave with all of you. And then I'm going to pray for us as we end. Who do you need to talk to? This morning, someone may have popped into your mind. There's been something, there's been that tension, there's been something going on between you for a while, and you know you need to have a difficult conversation. For some, there's someone in this room that you need to talk to before or after church is over. And for others, there's a family member that you need to text as soon as church is done. Who is it for you? Could you imagine how different things could be if we leaned into the conversations we've been avoiding? You will be grateful that you did. Do you want to stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this family. I thank you for the things that you've put in every single one of us, God. I thank you for where you've brought us, and I thank you for where you're taking us, God. And I just pray that you would give us the strength, you would give us the courage, you would give us the ability and the knowledge and the wisdom to fight fair and to fight for relationship. God, that as as we invite you in, as the Holy Spirit comes and moves in us, that love would be evident. That people will walk in this room and say, hey, you know what? My parents fought a lot growing up, and I don't know what you guys do when you have disagreements, but it looks really weird. God, that as, as, as we exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, that it would be evident to the community around us, God. So I bless this family. I love this family. I'm so grateful, God, that I get to be a part of it. Come, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Move in only the way you know how. I pray a breaking on old hurts. I pray old wounds that are still scabbed over would begin to be ripped open and healed, God. That you would pour healing uh, on those areas, God. Give us the courage to face it. We bless you, God. We love you. I pray... I pray a new thing this week. I pray a new thing in each person in this room. That you would be evident in our workplaces. You would be evident in our homes. You'd be evident in the relationships with the kids, with cousins, with families. Hmm. In your holy name, amen.